The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig with details. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare mtv's official challenge podcast is back for another season and so are we i'm tori deal and i'm anisa ferreira the wait is over guys all stars for is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts oh my god it's good to be back yeah. in the booth right. oh man Gosh. How you doing? I'm good. You good? You survived? Yeah. We're just post-Fringe Festival, <laughs> which is just like... I'm so uh, tired. <laughs> yeah, this whole lifestyle post-coitus moment where we're just like <laughs> li- sprawled out on the floor like, oh my God. Oh, if I ever had a craving for a cigarette, I would have one now. <laughs> it would be right now. But um, yeah, it feels good. Yeah, no, it went great. It was awesome. It's now over. Yes. So it's just some wrap-up work, and it was really <laughs> nice to just be like, I'm just going to tell a fun love story now. Yeah. This is the last you'll hear us talk about it for at least 10 months. <laughs> but we had so much fun last week with Tossed Popcorn. Yeah, Those that girls was are awesome. hilarious mm-hmm. um, and brilliant and just fast. They have a fun show, too. Yeah, Tossed it Popcorn. is. Tossed Popcorn is a good time. Definitely. So, hey, everybody. Hey. I'm Eli. I'm Diana. Welcome back to the show. Ridiculous Romance. Oh, yeah, if you didn't know the title. 
You do now. I don't know. Some of us listen to podcasts where they're like, and this is the show where we talk about this. And I guess our theme song does that job for us. I wonder if there's like a, a shuffle for podcasts where you just like play me a random episode of something. Maybe. I should know this as a podcast I, I know, right? host and producer. Well, I don't know how this industry works. <laughs> We're back with a good one today. Very ridiculous. Oh, yeah. uh, as ridiculous as they come. Uh, all our strengths. History. Big dicks. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> wackiness. True. People running around acting True. foolish. Also, it's ancient history. I don't think we've done an ancient history one in a while. It's which been is a, a it's minute. cool to go, yeah. go all the way back. I know. And to get uh, a little out of the Western Hemisphere, too, because uh, as you said, we've been in France a lot lately. No, It's hard not to be in France a lot. True. Because there is some ridiculous romance it's the capital in France. Of ridiculous romance. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, ancient uh, China, ancient Japan, there's some silly shit oh, yeah. going on for sure. Absolutely. I'm so excited to get into this today. I know, right? So the time, it's around 260 BCE. Oh. The place, the Qin state of ancient China. It's the warring states period of ancient Chinese history, and that's a time where there were seven states who were all vying for power in this nation. But one little love affair would forever change the course of history, leading to a unified China under Emperor Qin, who is the guy responsible for probably most of the things you know about China, such as erecting the Great Wall of China or um, creating an enormous mausoleum protected by an army of life-sized terracotta warriors. Oh, he did that? Yeah, but without one giant penis, none of it might have happened. <laughs> So let's hear about Lao Ai's irresistibly big dick and how it changed the course of Chinese history forever. <laughs> yes, I'm ready. <laughs> hey there, friends, come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all, an abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put it in a show ridiculous Romance. A production of iHeartRadio. Our story starts with a traveling merchant named Lu Bu Wei, who made tons of money selling his wares around the various states of China. He's like the uh, the original vacuum salesman. Totally. Door to door Jeff Bezos stuff. Yeah. 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 What's the Fuller Brush Man oh. of ancient China? <laughs> I love it. And at the time, the ruler was a guy named King Zhao Xiang. And one day, the king's oldest son died. So his younger son, Lord Angwo, was promoted to heir apparent. And Lord Angwo was like, hell yeah. So he promoted his favorite concubine, Lady Huayang, to the status of primary wife. But the problem was, Angwo and Huayang didn't have any kids together. So there's no heir for Angwo. Okay, so Angwo is the son of the king. Yeah. And he don't have a kid any with kids. his... With his wife. Right. Uh, so there's no grandkids. So we're, we're talking like third in line. There's mm -hmm. no one to take over. Exactly. And, these, and they're very worried about ahead. these bloodlines. Yeah. Exactly. They yeah. need to figure this out. Long-term planners. <laughs> very true. <laughs> and Ang Wo did have 20 sons already. But oh, they were okay. from other concubines, not oh, his primary wife. So they didn't wife, count. Basically. For the line of succession. They were like royalty, but not. Like okay. They couldn't inherit. Right, right, right. Uh, none of them could rule. Um, but they did have other purposes. 
Uh, for example, one of his sons, Yi Zhen, was sent away to the state of Zhao to serve as a royal hostage. Oh. Which basically <laughs> means, okay, we have a peace treaty, you and I, so I'll send you one of my sons uh-huh. as collateral. Now you know I won't blow you up or something. Okay, so Ang Guo at some point is like, son, that was a great game of catch. Uh-huh. Uh, now I have a new job for you. I, I need you to go be a hostage in other territory <laughs> so that we don't come and go to war with them. Yep. Uh, so that we don't kill you. Right. You're 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 the shield. You're the shield for this foreign nation. The human shield <laughs> for my power. You're the only thing stopping me from going in and slaughtering everyone there and taking right. over. At least they think that. Yeah. yeah. If <laughs> we'll you see me, if you that. see me coming, uh, duck. Yeah, because it might not be to pick you up. Yeah. <laughs> Well, one day, Lu Bue was traveling around Zhao, selling merchandise, doing his door-to-door thing, mm-hmm. when he came across Yi Zhen in the capital, Handan. And he met Yi Zhen, found out that he's this royal hostage, and he knew that the queen didn't have any sons. And with the king only getting older, it seemed like this power vacuum was coming. Mm-hmm. And Lu Bue's got little diamonds in his eyes, wow. saw an opportunity coming here. So Lu Bue took one look at this young prince, and he said, quote, this is a rare piece of merchandise that should be saved for later. <laughs> yeah. Guy knew a good deal. Right. Apparently, he even went, there's a, a whole section where he goes to his father and he's like, listen, you know, if you plant a bunch of stuff, like what's the return on your investment? And his oh. dad's like, oh, tens, you know, it, it it's tenfold, you know. Yeah. Oh, well, what if you do this? A hundredfold. What if right. you do this? A thousandfold. What if you're in charge of the next emperor of China? Oops. Oh, well, your riches would be, <laughs> I mean, insanely trillionth <laughs> compounded yeah. interest. So he's like, I found him. I found him. I'm going to do this. Oh, see, that's so a lot better than planting a potato. He, yeah, he's doing some math. Yeah. <laughs> some very long term math <laughs> okay. about this. So he goes to this kid. He's like, hey, you're technically the son of the heir to the throne. Mm-hmm. Even though your mom isn't the queen, I'm going to work with this. I think I can make you the heir to the throne. Mm-hmm. And apparently, Yi Zhen was living in like pretty squalid conditions. So when this like enterprising merchant shows up with this great idea, like, hey, you're a uh, wizard, Harry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, boy, have I got your future planned out and you're going to be king of China. I know, right? This guy is like, all right, yeah, that sounds good to me. It's I mean, what, what have I got to lose <laughs> exactly. here? So Yi Zhen promised, okay, buddy, if you make me king, I'll share half the kingdom with you. Mm-hmm. I'll whatever give, you want. I'll give Lu Bue a ton of money and land, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, sure, make me king. You'll be my guy. Yeah, if you say so, uh-huh. yeah. I'm in. <laughs> Power behind the throne and all that. <laughs> right. So Lu Bue went to the queen, Lady Huayang, and suggested that she adopt Yi Zhen as her heir. Mm. And Lady Huayang had a reason to do this, all right? She definitely had interest here because if the king died and she never bore him a son, all her privileges and royal oh. and royal titles and everything would also be stripped from her yeah. because she wouldn't have any tie to the throne anymore. Right. Classic Cersei issue. Classic Cersei. Right. She's got to make sure one of her kids is in charge mm-hmm. that she stays in power. Exactly. Yeah. And preferably he comes to power a little too young so uh-huh. she can She's like guide the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh-huh. So yeah, Hua Young is like, ooh, yeah, good call. I should be a part of picking this heir and mm-hmm. and getting myself uh, security for later. So she's like, I'm in. 
The king and queen formally adopt Yijin, and they bring him to the palace and rename him Chu, meaning son of Chu, because she was from the Chu state of China. Okay. So it was like a way to kind of be like, oh, now he's my son. He's like my adopted son. So anyway, close enough. Here's the heir. Everybody shut up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Lu Buwei has convinced the king and queen to adopt this uh, illegitimate son of the prince. Yeah. All right. So Lu Buwei, the merchant, had this mistress. And unfortunately for him, Zi Chu had met her. And she was this beautiful dancing girl named Lady Zhao. And Zi Chu became so infatuated with her that he asked Buwei to give him Zhao as a gift. And Buwei was not excited about this. Obviously, he's like, that's my girl. I know. We've been together. It's kind of a thing. She dances. Like, that's kind of cool. I'm not, <laughs> she's, she's one in a million here. Uh, <laughs> oh, you want to sleep with her? But I'm kind of it's kind sleeping of, with her. Like, I'm sleeping with her. Time. <laughs> I don't really want to stop. Uh-huh. But he's like, I mean, I did um, invest a lot of time and money in you. And I have yeah. put you in line for the throne. Mm-hmm. And you did say you were going to give me anything I wanted. So he's like, all right, uh, I guess I'll hand her over to you. I know, She's... questionable shit here right. about uh, give me this woman as a gift. Right. I hope Lady Zhao was like, at least got a chance to say, <laughs> I guess he's not totally disgusting. Or yeah, something. right. I'll go, but or probably not. She maybe... probably was told you live. You used to live here, but now you live here. Yeah, I maybe. Know. I don't, Speculation station. <laughs> Maybe she was like, oh, thank God. I don't want to be with the guy who willingly gave me to the emperor. I'd rather just be with this nice emperor to be. <laughs> the know? nice emperor to be. I mean, that's true. It Maybe it was a step up for her. You know, it was definitely. If well, yeah, but heir, I mean, like uh, in terms of how she was treated. Right. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. No, I don't know. Maybe. So Lu Buwei hands over this girl, Zhao, but unbeknownst to Zi Chu, Lady Zhao was already pregnant with Lu Buwei's child. Oops. So she married Zi Chu and gave birth to a son, Ying Zheng, in 259 BC. Mm-mm. And then in 251 BC, just eight years later, the king died and Lord Anguo ascended to the throne. But only three days later, he died. So boom, Zi Chu is now the king. Wow, Lu Buwei was like, my long-term planning just got a whole lot just shorter. happened very quickly. <laughs> Hell right? yeah, that's what I like, a guy who dies quick. So this kid who ended up king in like no time now fulfills his promise to the merchant Lu Buwei and makes him a marquee, giving him a fiefdom of over 100,000 households and making him the prime minister of I the mean, kingdom. The guy's got power, riches, bad. everything he wanted. Uh-huh. He got his investment back. There's his some, ROI is through the right. roof. Right. Some other merchant is like, man, I bought all these beanie babies <laughs> and they're worthless now. <laughs> Except for that one lady die one. <laughs> oh, no. But then, get this, only three years after that, Zi Chu died. Ooh. And his 13-year-old son, Ying Zheng, who is biologically Lu Bue's son, mm-hmm. now becomes the king. But nobody knows it's Lu Bue's son. Everybody right. thinks that it's Lady Zhao and Zi Chu's son. Right. Totally legitimate yep. king. No problem. Even the kid doesn't know. No your real dad is the merchant who orchestrated all this. Mm-hmm. Wacky. Crazy. This is a true farce. So many names. <laughs> it's such a soap opera. All I know the way it really through. is. I'm like that. Yeah, one life to live wishes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, everything's coming up. Boo way. It's his way or the highway. And <laughs> 
He's large and in charge. He's basically the regent because the you know king is still young, so he needs a lot of guidance right, from his right. prime minister. So yeah. you know he's kind of the the power uh, power center yeah. of the palace at this point. Um, the king is his actual son, even though nobody knows it. I mean, that's pretty. He, he gets to know that for himself. Yep. Just keep it in his heart. <laughs> And he even resumed his affair with Lady Zhao once her husband, once Siju was dead. Oh, okay. So he's really got it all. Damn. But after a little while, he started to worry that, like, his affair with Zhao would cause some problems with the new king. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, As the king got older, it would just be more and more problematic. It'd be scandalous for his prime minister to be sleeping with the dowager queen. Yeah, his mom. Yeah, his mom. That's pretty messed up. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't want my prime minister to end up being my stepdad. Right. Also, like, stepdads aren't really a thing in this royal family. (laughs) I I don't want you to do that. Uh I don't like that. But when he told Zhao, like, hey, maybe we should cool it, she just thought Bu Wei was trifling with her and didn't love her anymore. (laughs) So I guess she's like, oh, sure. Politics. That's always your excuse. Was it politics that was texting you last (laughs) night? No, baby, I swear it would just look really bad. The optics. I'm telling you, man, it's the optics (laughs) between us. It's not me. It's the optics. (laughs) But Bouet was a clever guy, so Mm. he decides he's going to, like, put his mind to it. I mean, after all, he orchestrated this entire dynasty, basically. Easy peasy to solve this one, right? Right. He didn't want to upset the king. But he also didn't want to alienate the queen. So what did he do? He decided that what Lady Zhao needed was a distraction. Preferably a nice, big, girthy distraction. (laughs) You know, one of those veiny distractions. (laughs) (laughs) So he goes out. You know what she needs? The D. And by (laughs) D, I mean distraction. So he goes out into the kingdom on a a little talent search. Um, I guess he's putting up posters everywhere like, if you know anyone that's eight inch or more, call two. Call two. Call two. Uh, And sure enough, eventually he came upon a man named Lao Ai who had a dick so big that it could be used as an axle for a carriage. That is not the myth or the exaggeration. That is what this guy did. The ancient Chinese historian Sima Qian wrote that Buai would even get musicians to come and play songs while Lao Ai, quote, put his penis through a wheel of polonia wood and walk about, making certain that the queen dowager would hear about it to entice her. This little demonstration he's got going on outside. Everybody gather around for this for this street performer. I know. Guy slips his turgid dick through the <laughs> spoke of a wooden wheel and just, I guess, just runs around like he's playing the hoop and stick game. Oh, my this God. This thing just <laughs> down the street. Girl, you would not believe what I saw in the square today, queen. <laughs> you would not believe it. This guy's dick. Oh, my God. Was so big. <laughs> I'm. Hang on, though. The splinters? Ouch. Uh, this right? is what I'm worried about. I definitely about. was like, it better be nice and sanded down before you <laughs> well put polished, it. Well polished, right? I imagine that Lu Bue was like, this is a very, this is going to be a very special dick. <laughs> so we can't have it be pocked and, <laughs> and cut up. Right. It's got to be ready for service at any time. <laughs> this is the most important dick in China <laughs> like right now. It's like a nicely polished interior. <laughs> oh my God. 
Oh. Well, it worked. Wow. <laughs> his his, his Axel his dick, dick pranks worked. <laughs> and Lady Zhao uh, <clears throat> pricked up her ears oh, at the geez. rumors of this big dick energy that Lao Ai was rolling around the square with. <laughs> but she's the Dowager Queen. You know, how is she supposed to carry on an affair without causing a lot of scandal. Oh, right, you know, she right. could be persecuted. She could be ostracized for this kind of thing. That's sure. exactly why Bu Wei was trying to end their affair. Yeah. To not cause a bunch of problems, right? right? But Bu Wei's big brain hit on the perfect solution. Of course. He would have Lao Ai accused of a crime. Something <laughs> bad. Like, hear me out here. <laughs> hear me out. Wait, wait, wait. Hear me out. It's going to sound <laughs> crazy at first, but trust me, it gets crazier. He would have Lao Ai accused of a crime, something bad enough to require him to be castrated. Wow. But instead of chopping off his dick, <laughs> they would just shave his beard and pluck out his eyebrows, which were the more outward signs of a eunuch. It was the way you knew a eunuch without having to, like, actually make him strip naked in front of you. Uh-huh. That way, he whispers to Lady Zhao... Lao Ai could be part of your harem. He'll be able to come and go oh, and no. come and go. There it is. Come and go as often as he wanted without raising any suspicion. Uh, this whole strategy only Lu Bue could come up I with. I mean, this. again, because I'm I'm thinking. <laughs> First, we have to accuse him of a crime. So we got to plant evidence. Uh, we need to hire witnesses. Yeah. We got to get this whole no. thing going. And then we got to make sure that he gets sentenced. So probably pay off the judge. Make sure that this sentence really gets handed down like it's supposed to, like we need it to. Mm -hmm. And then before they execute said sentence, we got to bust him out of jail. <laughs> and then we'll just shave his eyebrows, pluck his, shave his beard, pluck his eyebrows, put him back in jail uh -huh. and tell him, oh, yeah, well, we did it. We, we cut his dick it's, off. No dick there. And uh, by the way, the queen wants him as her personal servant. <laughs> no reason. No reason. Meanwhile, I she's mean... like, I don't care about his missing eyebrows and shaved face as long as that D is in the palace. Right. And the, by D, I mean due process, which they <laughs> did not have. <laughs> So I think you're you're giving them a lot of credit. I oh feel like once God. the prime minister is like, I want him castrated. Bring him here and I'll do it. Everyone's like, okay. <laughs> you want to do it? All right. As long as it ain't me. I don't really care what happens to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so you're thinking much quicker, shorter, easier I process. I don't think he had to hire nobody. He just said, bring him here. I'm going to chop his dick well, off. No harm, no foul. <laughs> look, I like this dick heist. And I'd rather see that movie. <laughs> I mean, that is a fun heist movie. <laughs> the Ocean's Eleven of getting this guy's dick not chopped off. I like that Lady Zhao is down for this, Lady too. Lady Zhao is like... She's like, do whatever you need to do. <laughs> Just give me that dick. Give me that dick. It's so big. <laughs> I mean, there was not another habit. person in the entire region <laughs> who had a dick this big. Uh-huh. I guess it didn't matter. Of... They'd have to do the same thing with whoever it was. Right. Well, and considering that she, you know, was at first a dancing girl at Lu Bue's house and then oh, she yeah. was handed off to another guy, it's kind of nice that she gets to now do the choosing. Yeah. She's seen a lot of small dicks. Probably. In her time. Undoubt yeah. Undoubtedly. Yeah. She's like, ooh, this is different. Mm hmm. <laughs> ooh, this is a big D. And by D, I mean different. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, all in all, it worked out just like Lu Bue thought it would. Lao Ai ended up having the freedom to roam around wherever he wished in the palace. The queen was well satisfied with her yeah. new lover. 
and nothing remained that could threaten Lu Bue's power. That is, Uh until Lao Ai, maybe understandably, (laughs) got a little cocky. Started swinging that big big dick around. Made him a little cocky. (laughs) (laughs) Started swinging that big dick around, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, we will get more into that story right after this. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans, and yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans... Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Welcome back, everyone. So here's Lao Ai walking around the palace, no beard or eyebrows, but he did have the love of the queen, mm-hmm. which will get you a lot further than facial hair. So true. In, in any day and age. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. So much so did, did she have his favor that they ended up having two secret sons together Ooh. who they hid away from Yingzheng in the provinces. Like, so my my son, the king... Won't ever know about his secret half-brothers. No. 
because uh, that'd be bad news. Yeah. You know, kings hate surprise relatives. <laughs> There's nothing they hate more. I don't know many people who love a surprise relative. Look, hey, if I had a surprise couple of brothers out there, I'd be excited to meet them. I wouldn't behead them immediately. Maybe not. They wouldn't be threatening my power. I don't have any. Well. I mean, except for the inherent social structural power that I'm given as a straight well, white man in this obviously. world. But they're not going to threaten that. Nobody they'll, can they'll threaten probably that. Have to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's too bad. <laughs> anyway. Zhao showered Lao Ai with riches, giving him a palace of his own and hundreds of servants and ennobling him as a marquee. Which again, mm. just nobody's asking questions here because they're like, that eunuch mm. that we charged with a crime so heinous that we had to chop his dick off, who came in to work for you as a servant, now has his own palace and servants of his own? Right. Some justice system. Because like, plenty of eunuchs would certainly gain favor and power sure. and everything. I mean, sure. if we're keeping with our Game of Thrones thing, oh, yeah, yeah. let's not forget Varys out right, there. Right. Whispers, whispers. Right. Um, but I, yeah, it's a surprise that if anyone asked, they certainly kept it to themselves right. or did not write that shit down, that's for sure. <laughs> or maybe they were just a different society from ours and they respected that a right. former convict could actually uh, turn their lives around and wow. do something good for the world. They were like, you that know? guy really got rehabilitated. Yes. Look at him being a great citizen, Look, helping the queen. The queen's always so happy when she's been closeted with him. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, uh, prisoner reform is real. We don't have to lock everyone up forever. We can help them turn around just by cutting their dicks off. <laughs> <laughs> A better world. A better Question world, mark. TM. Anyway, so Lao Ai is a marquee now. He's got his own palace. He's got his servants. And he started to get a little arrogant and reckless. Feeling a little bulletproof. Uh huh. Not to mention the only thing anyone ever tells him is, wow, your dick is so big. <laughs> You're the best. Well, Lao Ai... <laughs> Will you do that wheel thing again? It's so hot. <laughs> so he would get drunk and he'd start boasting about his close personal relationship with the queen. And he liked to get drunk with some high level officials. Mm. So this was totally unhinged for his behavior. This yeah. is a very stupid thing to do. And one night at a dinner party, after a big night full of drinking and partying, he got belligerent and he yelled, quote, I am the stepfather of the emperor. How dare some wretch oppose me? <laughs> Let me show you how big this dick is and <laughs> say that again. Like, somebody's like, no, you're supposed to be a eunuch. No, you can't bring Other your question. <laughs> How is he hiding being a eunuch with this massive dong he's carrying around? I, he wasn't wearing sweatpants. He's I'll like that. always <laughs> carrying some heavy bags in front of him. It's like in sitcoms, they have to hide yeah. a pregnancy. He just has a big bag. Yep. He's always like holding a bunch of bananas in front yeah, of his behind a table. shorts. <laughs> bananas. Is yeah. Perfect. Well, one of these high-level officials that he's yelling at, I guess, was probably like, "Man, this guy sucks at parties." <laughs> He's always bragging about the queen. Uh-huh. So he decided to go tell Ying Zheng that Lao Ai is running around boasting about fucking your mom. Oh, shit. And Lao Ai also seems to be plotting to replace Ying Zheng with one of his hidden sons with the queen. Oh, no. Oh, well, that ain't cool. And Ying Zheng is like, oh, hell no. So he puts out a royal proclamation basically being like... Y'all see this guy? He has a dick. 
Like, I know it doesn't look like he has a dick because of the hair thing, but he does have a dick, uh -huh. and he's using it with my mom. Disgusting. Oh, no. And he wants to replace me with one of his sons with my mom. Just one bad idea after another with this guy. <laughs> so Lao Ai, who's, you know, been orchestrating this whole <laughs> thing, is like, oh, shit. I, I got drunk. I screwed oh, myself stupid. over. I, this, oh, man, my stupid giant dick betrayed me again. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking with my head, not with my head. Uh, so he's like, you know what? Actually, overthrowing the king is a good idea. Let's fast track this coup. <laughs> so he took the queen's seal, which is this special stamp that she used to authorize and legitimize orders from the palace. And he used it to mobilize his own army, mm -hmm. which is crazy. Like, it's, it's seriously just a rubber stamp. Yeah. You get whatever you want. Right. You know? <laughs> which I guess makes sense. I mean, there's only one place to yeah. get it. So if yeah. you're, like, out in the provinces, you're like, well, I uh, guess the queen wants us to do this. She stamped it. What else do I have to go on? We, I can't <laughs> I call mean, her. It's been notarized. <laughs> yeah, right. So the king, Ying Zheng, who was traveling at the time, ordered his old buddy, the prime minister, Lu Bue, to attack Lao Ai's army and suppress the rebellion. Uh-huh. And Lu Bue has got to be like, God, fucking Lao Ai. This, all you had to do was you, you had one job with that big dick, and it was to keep the queen happy. But no, you had to go slapping people in the face with it. And now I got to deal with it. So Lao Ai had put this whole army together. Uh, at, at least a thousand guys, but none of them were military people. Mm -mm. They didn't have any training. They weren't good at organizing. And the royal army definitely was. So they managed to kill hundreds of them during the battle. But Lao Ai himself managed to escape. He's running off the battlefield, tripping over his dick, <laughs> and he makes it into hiding. <laughs> He's like, you run a lot faster when you have three legs. <laughs> oh, no. No, you don't. <laughs> He, he, yeah, he like stuck it in a wheel and then he just <laughs> rolled he away. Just rolled away. <laughs> He's got his own little unicycle. <laughs> he lost a, he lost an axle and he's like, only one thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> I was born for this. <laughs> I was born for this. <laughs> it's my time. <laughs> well, anyway, obviously not catching Lao Ai, the guy who started the whole rebellion, uh -huh. was not gonna work for Yang Zheng. He's like, I need I need yeah. to get him. Yeah. So he placed a bounty on Lao Ai's head. One million copper coins if Lao Ai was brought to the king alive, and half a million if he was brought to the king dead. Oh. Because Ying Zheng wanted to do that yes. deed himself. Yes, he was incentivizing yeah. the opportunity to slap this guy around. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't long before Lao Ai was discovered and brought before the king. Uh-oh. And that's when the punishments began. Mm. All of Lao Ai's supporters were beheaded. Three generations of Lao Ai's relatives were executed. Damn. Ying was like, if I hear about a single Lao left in the entire state of Chen, all y'all are next. Yeah, right. <laughs> he wanted to kill every single one of them wow. before and after Lao. Ying did not kill his mother, okay. Queen Zhao, but he did like lock her, imprison her in her palace okay. as like she was like under house arrest for the rest of her life. Mm. Um, and the two sons that she secretly had with Lao Ai were found. They were placed into sacks and beaten to death. Damn. And Lao Ai was torn apart by five horses. Oh, no. Which sounds to me like a quartering, like, you know. Yeah, would, drawn and quartered, yeah. But like maybe one on the head and, or what, and an extra one, yeah. Or one on the dick. Oh, <gasps> no. Oh, no. Oh, no. He's like one on each limb and one on the axle. Oh, 
And the horses all ran off in separate directions. Oh, that's brutal. That's just one of the worst. Horrifying death. Ugh. Horrifying. Also, like, did you really find these two sons? Or did you just find two poor kids somewhere and were like, you'll do. You're probably them. Mm. But they didn't have fingerprinting back then, did they? DNA evidence? That's true, but it would have been in his best interest to get the right people. Yeah. He knew. I mean, it happened to his own father. Right. If there's a guy running out there that happens to have enough of the bloodline, he could get enough support. He could get his own Lubu way, and next thing I know. Right, right. So I feel like he probably did get the right kids. Just like when they couldn't have been that hard, that that easy to hide. I guess not. I just wonder when someone's in hiding like that in that era, like, are you them? No. Damn it. Okay. (laughs) I guess we'll ask somebody else. Maybe he was real nice about it. Like, free ice cream for whoever are the secret sons of these two people. And they come running. That's us. That's me. This ain't ice cream. (laughs) This is poison. (laughs) Uh, Hey, what are you doing with that sack? I bet he followed the money because they must have been sending money somewhere. Oh, that's good. That's good. So he probably said, where's they sending money that we don't make? Doesn't make sense. Look at Detective Diana over here. Tracking down the secret sons. The big D. My D. (laughs) I mean, Detective. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you got to (laughs) stop. I won't. Don't stop. Don't stop. Okay. Don't you mean desist? (laughs) Oh, no, I do not. No more Ds. (laughs) No more Ds. Well, that's what Ying Zheng was saying anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, how about Lu Bue, the mastermind right. of the Big Dick Affair? Mm-hmm. He was stripped of all his royal titles, and he was sent into exile. But he was very scared that he was eventually going to be executed. So he just drank poison and died by suicide in 235 BC. Oof. I mean, if the other, if he was worried about them five horses showing up, then that, it was I, probably a better option. Exactly. I thought the same. I was like, well, you just did the job for him, basically. But yeah. I guess if you have to choose your death, you're going to be like, let me find the most painless way. Yeah. Otherwise, he's going to punish me. Yeah. And I'd seen what he does when he gets right, mad. Right. Um, and I think there was some inkling, like he had some idea that, oh, that's coming. Mm-hmm. Like he's decided he's pissed at me and yeah. he's coming for me. Probably the more information he's uncovering about this story, the angrier he's getting. Absolutely. Oh, boy. And Buai's chosen retainers and trusted officials in the palace were also stripped of their titles. Ying wasn't taking any chances here. He didn't want any loyal Buai people sitting Mm -hmm. around. He did keep one around, uh, Lisa, who became Ying Zheng's prime minister and trusted advisor. And we'll talk more about that guy later. Mm But as of now, all of Ying Zheng's enemies were totally rooted out, murdered, whatever needed to do. And he was the undisputed king of the Qin state. Now, it's at this point that Ying Zheng starts to really shape history for China. Remember how at this point, China is a collection of seven warring states. They're Mm. constantly vying for power or at the very least autonomy from one another. Well, Ying Zheng decided it's high time we unify all these states under my rule, of course. <laughs> right. And he first went after the weakest state, Han, and conquered it easily because, again, weak state, right. pretty small. Right, right. Then he grabbed up the state of Zhao, where his mother was from next. And bordering Zhao was the state of Yen. And they knew they stood no chance of beating the powerful Qin army. But Crown Prince Don of Yen didn't want to take this land down. So he hatched an assassination plot. Oh, no. So Don got two warriors, Jing Ke 
and Qin Wuyang. And he's like, here's the deal. You're going to go to Yingzheng in Qin and pretend to be noblemen from Yen begging for mercy. You know, you could be like, oh, oh, mighty Qin King. We know we don't stand a chance against your power and influence, yada, yada, yada. And you know, bring him some gifts, something he'll really, really like so that you can get in nice and close. Mm-hmm. And then, pow, you stick it to him. Easy. Yeah. Now, they knew that Ying Zheng wanted to conquer the Dukang region of the Yen state first because it had really fertile farmland. So one of their gifts would be this beautifully drawn map of Dukang to help him strategize. Right. They're going to stop by the gas station. They're going to find that little mm-hmm. rack with a just a really nice fold-out map. <laughs> like, this was freshly printed yesterday. Yeah, and they're like, this is your last bathroom break before you get into Dukong. <laughs> yes. There's no toilets for uh-huh. a while, so make sure you stop there. <laughs> <laughs> and on your way, this is the world's biggest noodle. And if you just oh. pull off, it's a 15-minute visit, but you so won't regret fun. it. It's so cool. <laughs> they got little hats and buttons. You're gonna be. You're gonna have stories to tell for days. Oh yeah. I mean, if you're gonna conquer, you may as well enjoy yourself. Yeah. Exactly. Right? Exactly. <laughs> it's about the journey, not the D. Mm-hmm. And by D, I mean destination. <laughs> it won't stop. She won't stop. Um, but they knew that you know to get close enough to the king to stab him. Right. A simple map was not going to be enough. They needed a better gift than that. Mm-hmm. And fortunately. They knew about this disgraced Qin general, Wan Yi, who was living in Yen. There was a price on his head from the state of Qin for a thousand gold pieces. And Wan Yi was pretty grumpy about that. So he wanted some (laughs) revenge on the Qin kingdom. I hate having a bounty on my head. This sucks. Assholes. Can't go anywhere. (laughs) Uh, And I couldn't find out why they had a bounty on him. Uh, He must have just just betrayed them in some way yeah. and he was like get that guy for me okay but he really a thousand gold pieces is a lot of money so right. he really wanted him so Jinka went to him and told him about this assassination plan and oh we got this map and Wan Yi is like listen you gotta give him more than a map he's not gonna let you into the throne room just for that that ain't enough of a gift uh huh and Jinka's like, yeah, um, about that. Um, yeah, we thought that he would be pretty excited if we brought him like a bounty he was looking for. You know, a guy he like really wants dead. You know what I mean? And Wan Yi is like, oh, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, I know. Sounds good, too. Uh, oh. Oh. You mean me. <laughs> like, yeah. That's 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 why we're that's here. here. Kind of came Actually, for you. Didn't hoping... want your permission to do this plan or anything. Just thought, <laughs> hoping you'd come along with us. <laughs> and Wan Yi actually thought, you know what, guys, you really got something here. This is a great plan. Honestly, <laughs> I think you'll get close enough to kill him if you do that. And so he agrees to commit suicide so they can take his severed head to Yingzheng. That's commitment to oh my a God. plan. He's Am I like, right? I hate this dude so much that I know you'll get close to him with my head. So let me just go ahead and it's all yours. I mean, wow, he really bet on this plan. Uh Uh-huh. So they behead the guy and then Prince Don gets them this super sharp dagger that's imbued with poison so that they can stab the king and they wrap it up in the map scroll. All they got to do now is get at the palace get inside, and kill the guy. Easy peasy. He's just a king. Easiest part. Yeah. Easiest part of the whole thing. <laughs> we got the head. We got the map. 
I noticed there's no exit strategy. <laughs> right. So they were clearly like, we'll probably die, but yeah. whatever. They're we're going to kill him. They're on Huan Yi's plan here. Yeah, right. right. The, the, the point is the task. Yep. So Jin Ke and Qin Wu Yang get to the palace and they're granted permission to see the king. Oh, you have gifts? Well, right this way, my <laughs> friends. Please get as close as you'd like. He loves gifts. Two gifts? Well, I think you could even give him a hug for that. <laughs> But at this point, Wu Yang freezes up. This is a kind of a funny note because he's known to be very tough. Oh. He was like known to have had killed someone at the tender oh. age of 13. So he's like he's this tough guy. But he gets in there and he just gets like really terrified. Yeah, this is a big job. Yeah. I'm, I'm used to killing, you know, people as a kid. We just do it in the village, but I'm here at the palace. Like Everybody's much. watching me. <laughs> Very upsetting. He starts trembling uncontrollably and like just having this little panic attack. And Jin Ke has to be like, oh, oh, don't worry about him. It's nothing. He's just, oh, he's just never set eyes on the, the grace of the son of heaven here. So he's, he's just flipping out. A little starstruck about meeting the king. <laughs> don't worry. He did the same thing when we met Keanu last year. <laughs> totally freaked out. It's embarrassing, but don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like he's meeting Beyonce or something, you know. He's just losing his mind. He's like, he'll calm down when he gets in there. I yeah. promise. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the guards are not having it. They're like, nah, we're not letting this fanboy in, mm-hmm. you know. Why don't you, Jinka, go in and give him both gifts by yourself? So a two-man job has now become a one-man job. Mm-hmm. So Jinka's probably like, God damn it, Wu Yang. You're <laughs> supposed to be my, my fucking right? right-hand man in this. Hold your shit together. I go. I'm some piece of shit. <laughs> so he goes into the throne room alone, He goes up to the king, and politely presents him with the two gifts. And as the king starts to unroll the map, Jinka grabs the dagger and the king's sleeve and, like, plunges the dagger towards his heart. But Ying Zheng backs away, manages to evade the dagger, tearing his sleeve in the process, and starts to run away, and he starts trying to pull his ceremonial sword out of his sheath. (laughs) But he can't get it out because the sword's too long. (laughs) So he's being chased around the throne room with Jinka wielding this poison dagger. (laughs) He's pulling on this long-ass sword that he can't get out of his sheath. And no one else in the room has a weapon because it's considered rude to have weapons around the king. (laughs) So they're just standing there like, oh, what do we do? (laughs) These two running around the room in circles. He can't get it. He's like, this is supposed to be decorative. (laughs) Exactly. It won't come out. Get it out. And the scene becomes even more of a cartoon when the court physician, Chia Wuju, joins the chase Smacking Jinka in the back with his medicine bag. <laughs> ow, ow, stop it. No. He's like, hey, hey. Trying to kill and he's the king. got the dagger and he's trying to get the sword. <laughs> and you can see it. It's like a Roger <laughs> Rabbit cartoon. Oh, my God. So the doctor hitting him with the medicine bag gives Ying Zhang enough time to hide behind a pillar. <laughs> and apparently his courtiers are, are all like yelling at him like he's on the prices right. Like, you know. Get the sheath on your back, and then you can draw the sword. Jong, try stabbing him. (laughs) Why don't you try stepping on the sheath and pull it out from there? Oh, good idea. Try that one. Just whip it. Whip it. It'll fly (laughs) off. Whip it. Whip it. (laughs) Hit him. Hit him with the hilt. Hit him with the hilt. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And he's freaking out. It's like, what are you saying? Number three? Is that number two? Which one? (laughs) 
but he does. He manages to get the sheath on his back and he like pulls the sword out like that. He jumps out from behind the pillar, booga, booga, booga. And he immediately stabs <laughs> Jinka in the thigh, sort of topples him. And desperate, Jinka throws the dagger at the king, but he misses. Mm. Probably hits like a some old vase or something that falls and shatters <laughs> to the ground. And someone's Got like, oh, I just finished painting that. Or it just happens to like hit the eye of like a beautiful painting. Right. Nearly <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a painting. Uh, but Jinka ends up getting stabbed eight times for all this trouble. Mm-hmm. And even though he's dying, Jinka wants to get the last word. So he stretches out his legs in front of him in a gesture that was considered very rude at the time. And he just hurled insults at the king until the palace guards finally arrived and finished him <laughs> off. They also killed Chin Wu Yang, who tried to escape outside. Mm-hmm. He was like, like, this is why I was so nervous. I got to get <laughs> out of here. Sorry, swim fan. Get over here. <laughs> Chaos. I mean, you could not write a better farce. Like, that shit is hilarious to me. I would love to see it on stage. Right. So, yeah, that assassination plot did not work. (laughs) Poor Wan Yi. (laughs) But it did make the Guinness records for silliest assassination attempt in history. Wan Yi was like, worth it, worth it. Cut my head (laughs) off for a good joke. Uh Uh-huh. Well, and Ying Zheng, you know, took it a little to heart. <laughs> yeah, the guy well. takes things personally. He does. He's a little he overreactive does. at times. <laughs> he does not like these attempts to stop him from doing what he wants to do. Uh-huh. So he went after Yen with a vengeance. Mm. And Prince Don's father even tried to mollify him by putting Prince Don to death. Like he's like, let me kill him for you. Oh, I'll do. Watch me. I <laughs> oh, got it. Oh, God, my son is such an idiot. A moron. It's like that guy... Um. Uh, in John Wick, when his son <laughs> yes. is the guy who like oh, ruined John like, Wick's life, and he's like, you "Stupid bitch, son, you idiot!" <laughs> like punches him out. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Which does make me think, like the court hot, the royal hostage thing. How how much of a collateral I mean, is that? It works it's not to like a point. They weren't willing to kill their sons. Right. This is a pretty extreme situation. Mm-hmm. It's true. But yeah, that did not work. He was like, thanks for killing him, but no, still going to take you over. Yeah. And Yen fell to the Qin state five years after this assassination attempt. But it was not the last time someone would try to put down Ying Zheng. And we will find out about a second hilarious assassination attempt right after this commercial break. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. Hi, come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the back seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. 
I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. And welcome back to the show. So Jinka was dead. All his friends and relatives went into hiding after this because they were fearing reprisals from the king. Sure. I mean, let's remember, three generations of Lao Ai's family were put to death. Right. Uh, so they were kind of like, oh, this guy doesn't like anyone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he will kill us all. Yeah. And one of Jinka's friends was a skilled lute player named Gao Jianli. And he hid his loot, changed his name, and became a waiter in a wine shop. <laughs> it was like a whole new world yeah. for Gao. <laughs> Set up his own little personal witness protection. Basically, yeah. yeah. He's like, let me just dip out of here. Start a whole new career. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Forget this loot playing I've done for years. Right. But one day, probably he's restocking the shelves or something, and the boss heard him singing. And he's like, wow. My little waiter is a great singer. I ought to recommend him to the king. No. <laughs> so he gets called before the king, Ying Zheng, to do a little performance. And while Gao is playing the lute and singing, somebody recognized him as Jinka's friend. Oh, no. Hey, I know that guy. He knows that guy. Hey. Which, again, uh, as to your point about there's no fingerprints, I'm yeah. just like, people clearly were like, I better remember every face because one day right? that shit could be useful. <laughs> but... Ying Zhang was in a merciful mood that day, and he liked Gao's playing. So instead of putting him to death, he's like, buddy, I don't care that you were friends with my attempted assassin. Mm -hmm. You know, you're a beautiful musician. I would never take this out of the world. I'm just going to gouge your eyes out. Pardon? Yeah. 
He blinded him. <laughs> After that, Gao was welcome to play and sing for the king as often as he liked. Oh, thank you so much. That's yeah. exactly what I wanted. No eyes and a new job. Well, Gao understandably was a little bitter at this point. But he kept playing and singing and singing and playing until one day, the king started to relax his guard around Gao. And Gao began hiding little pieces of lead in his lute until it got heavier and heavier. And each day he would sit closer and closer to the king as he performed. Finally, when he was he was he was like, "Hey, here's hey king, hey here's the little <laughs> here's the little piece I wrote. <laughs> I'm a lute here." And he's sitting right next to him. This machine kills fascists. (laughs) Yep. And he picks up the loot and he swings hard at the king's head, hoping to cave his skull in and kill him once and for all. But he had this one little problem, Uh you might recall. Gao didn't have any eyes. Right. He was blind. He could not see what he was doing, where he was, or which direction. So it was, I imagine, like a pinata game. Pretty funny. <laughs> Somebody's blindfolded, takes a big heavy swing, totally biffed it. Do you think he spun around, you know, from the yeah. weight of the loot? <laughs> totally biffed it, swung in a big circle, missed the king, and... It was no more loot playing for him. He was executed for this assassination attempt. Another assassination attempt. Oh, boy. And Ying Zheng apparently was like, I don't want anybody from the state of Yen anywhere near me ever yeah. again. I can't trust any of them. Right. He's like, I tried to be nice and just take your eyes. Yeah, what do you need those for? <laughs> Least useful thing on the body, I think. <laughs> so, despite attempts... No one could stop Ying Zheng from unifying China, which he did successfully by 221 BC. And since he'd done all that, he wasn't any old king anymore. He would now be known as Qin Shi Huang, the first emperor of Qin. And it was time for some big changes around here. Before Ying Zheng's time, several schools of thought about society and culture and morality existed. They were freely debated. It was known as the Hundred Schools of Thought. And it included Confucianism and Taoism and tons of other just philosophies about how the world should work, Mm -hmm. basically. So it was kind of like the Warring States time was like a really chaotic time, but it was also sort of a golden period in free thinking in Chinese history. But Qin Shi Huang and his prime minister, Li Su, who, remember, was formerly the ally of Lu Bu Wei yeah. and the only guy that got kept on <laughs> right. after the purge, right, <laughs> I guess right. you could call it. Um, they both liked legalism the best. Mm. Now, legalists believed that humans are inherently selfish and had to be managed with a comprehensive set of rules. And those rules had to be enforced with severe punishments to keep them in line. Now, they believed in the state above all else, including the individual welfare of citizens. Mm -hmm. Lisa was into this philosophy, and he pointed out to the emperor that the feudal system had been the downfall of China once already. As soon as a leader ran out of profitable fiefdoms to award his loyal followers with, those followers would get butthurt and they would start plotting against the ruler. Out in the provinces, surrounded by friends, these guys could easily rile up a force before the king even knew what was going on. 
Far better, Lisa told the emperor, for him to centralize the government under a bureaucracy that operated from right here at the palace under his watchful eye. That way, no one could surprise him with any shenanigans. They wouldn't have this powerful warrior class capable of whipping up dissent. Instead, these guys would be tame and dependent courtiers and bureaucrats imposing the emperor's will on people. Mm-hmm. So Qin Shi Huang, liking this idea, which is maybe not surprising after the whole thing with his mom and two assassination attempts. Yeah, right. He centralized the government, creating a system where all power flowed from the emperor. I got to say, though, you know, looking at his history, two assassination attempts, the thing with his mom, all of that happened because he was a dick. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. he, he couldn't stand the fact that his mom had a boyfriend mm-hmm. and he executed three generations of his family. Okay, like, I mean, come on, buddy. You brought this you, on yourself. As usual, megalomaniacs create their own yeah. worst enemies. Yep. And then they say, I have to rule you with an iron fist because otherwise you'll try to kill me. <laughs> I'm like, well, we're not trying to kill you because you let us have our own autonomy. Right. We're trying to kill you because you're an asshole. Yeah, because you keep killing us. Yeah. Now we have the vengeance. You know the vengeance that you have? We have that. Yeah. <sighs> Well, he canceled all aristocratic titles and privileges that he himself did not make or oh, grant. Yeah. So a lot of people who were very rich and, and noble were put to manual labor. They lost everything. Oh, there's nothing rich people hate more Ugh. than being put to manual labor, not too. Not like that. Oh, uh-uh. yeah. He also standardized currency. He canceled everything and was like, "This is there's one thing now we all use. Okay. Uh, also language. He said, we use one language, one script. Everything mm. should be able to be read by everyone else. Okay. okay. He had canals and roads built to okay. increase the efficiency of trade and, the, of course, the flow of information to and from the palace because now you have this new system. You have to bin, you get a bunch of letters every right. day right. and be like, how's shit going way out there? Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently it was the efficiency of this information flow was pretty notable, like pretty awesome. Well, I mean, unifying your currency and giving a bunch of roads and canals for goods and information to flow around isn't Mm -hmm. the worst thing a ruler has ever done. Not not really. I wish somebody would build some roads and canals and trains here. I know, right? Infrastructure. What a thing. What a a thing. I guess there's an argument to be made for like, you know, ethnic languages. Oh, yeah, no, totally. In in preference of another one. But but yeah, I totally agree. But the money and the, Mm -hmm. and the roads, you know. Makes sense. Yeah. He actually even required that the carriages on those roads had to have the same size axles and gauges so that they were easy to fix when they broke down, which is uh-huh. an interesting point. I never thought about them being made different sizes. Right. But of right. course, if you have a carriage that's a different size axle and you're traveling to, to you know, a different state and you can't find the size axle you need, yeah. well, that, that stops everything. The supply Look, chain is disrupted. Yeah. So I need you to all have the same shit. It should be standardized. Interchangeable parts uh, did, a, did a lot for, for the industry of man. And I wonder if he was like, just for his memory, let's make all axles the size of Lao Eyes. <laughs> <laughs> he made them bigger. He made them bigger. He made them bigger. Oh, you're right. His he dick. was like, now his dick don't fit, does Oh, no, it? no. He made them smaller so that when people told the story of him <gasps> using his oh, dick yeah, as an axle, like they're like, dick. oh, that's not that big. Yeah. I've seen an axle. It's, my dick's bigger than an axle. Right. Ying Jung was probably like, my dick's bigger than an axle. Yeah. <laughs> Promise. This guy talked a big deal about his dick, but look how small a wheel is. <laughs> Put a they pencil in there. Lots of teeny wheels after yeah. that. <laughs> Not that don't impress me much, <laughs> he said. 
Shania, is that you? <laughs> and of course, you know, he was, again, bit of a bit of a controlling guy. And he had the power of all the nation's laborers, and he put them to work. He forced them to build huge projects. For 30 years, 700,000 workers built his tomb. And the mausoleum that you see in China today with thousands of life-size terracotta warriors, Mm -hmm. that's only a fraction of what they made. Most of it is still buried and has yet to be uncovered. Another giant project was marrying all the disparate city walls together into one big Great Wall of China. Oh, I've heard of that. Which, as HistoryCollection.com points out, quote, did double duty, keeping the northern barbarians out and keeping the Chinese seeking to flee the emperor's onerous taxation and oppressive rule in. Oh. So remember that about walls. They do two things. Yep. <laughs> this is uh, not, not an entrance nor an exit. <laughs> exactly. Fun fact, I saw part of the Great Wall. You sure did, yeah. Um, when I was in China. Uh-huh. And not some... I. This was before our time. Yes, this was before we were together. In 2007, I got to go to China with my family. It was very cool. And the part that we were in, we were in Xi'an, China, and they have a very big part of the wall still mm-hmm. standing. And they said it was because actually they use sticky rice to basically glue all the brick all the stone together oh my God. and it was so effective that it's one of the strongest parts of the wall wow. and i think about that every time i'm scraping egg yolk off a plate <laughs> right dried egg yolk because i'm like dried egg yolk could hold a lot of shit together is all i'm saying <laughs> yes build <laughs> my mausoleum like out of rice and egg yolk and it'll stand <laughs> the test of time it'll be here is all i'm saying <laughs> Three thousand years from now true it's standing <clears throat> seriously The emperor also ordered the burning of a bunch of history and philosophy books and banned all schools of thought but legalism. Mm -hmm. So that's where we're getting into. uh, Yeah, thanks for the canals, Mm -hmm. but it ain't so good. He even ordered the mass execution of a bunch of Confucianists by having them buried alive. Mm -hmm. Now, this brings us to the inevitable part of every story from ancient history where we have to say that it's possible some historian was just making this shit up. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah, a lot of this story might be exaggerated or made up uh, for various political purposes. Uh, the, the story of Lao Ai's giant dick comes from ancient Chinese historian Sima Qian's Records of the Grand Historian, which is a book he completed around 94 BC. Confucianism was a prevailing mode of thinking by then, so they weren't big fans of the first emperor at this point in history. Right, because he was like, you can't be confused. Yeah, he banned all their teachings and Mm -hmm. schools and everything. So some historians, including John Knobloch and Jeffrey Rigel, who translated Lu Buai's Spring and Autumn Annals, think the story is, quote, patently false, meant to both libel Lu and cast aspersions on the first emperor. Confucian society also thought of merchants as the lowest of the social classes. So making a merchant like Lu Bue, his father, as well as, you know, his legitimate, his biological right, father, as right. we said, as well as making the emperor an illegitimate child at all, was the worst thing they could do to him. Mm-hmm. It'd be like, you know, a historian now being like, turns out Joe Biden's father is a DJ. <gasps> it'd be like, oh, Ew, gross. A DJ. The lowest of the social classes. (laughs) (laughs) The name Lao Ai even means 
lustful misdeed in old Chinese. So some people think the whole story about the giant dick was just an allegory for how a conspiracy threatens imperial bloodlines and maybe not a real story at all. Right. It was like Sally slutty. Oh, <laughs> slept with a guy. And guess what happened? You know, like it was basically <laughs> yeah. like it's it, you know, it might just be a whole fake thing. And the dick like the word for dick is also close to the word to, uh, for conspiracy right, and stuff. Right. So they're like, if you translate it differently, it's a whole it could just be a metaphor for something. I mean, throughout this story, I've been getting hints of the Elagabalus yeah. transgender empress of Rome story. Right. Uh, she also put out a call for the biggest dick in Rome sure did. Uh, and found it she and sure did. made that guy a pretty prominent figure in politics and everyone hated him for it. Mm -hmm. Real similar kind of story a lot of the ways. And similarly, we look at it now in history and some people say, technically, this is historical record. Mm -hmm. But is it true? Mm -hmm. Just because somebody wrote it down a couple thousand years ago doesn't mean it's necessarily true because just like today, it might have been a hit piece. Right. It might have been somebody making up a story and saying, I'm recording history right now mm -hmm. so that people remembered this person Right. Way worse than they were because they didn't like them. Right. And and like legitimize their own way of thinking, their yeah. own way of governing even right. more. Right. By saying, man, this guy was, yeah, he unified and cool, whatever. But like, look at it, He's crazy. Like, we yeah. don't want that. We yeah. don't want that. We want this that right. we have now. Yeah. Apparently, even the mass execution of Confucians, that might even be a myth made up by Confucians, like oh, a martyr's myth. Like okay. Oh, he killed them because they only because they were Confucians I and they see. wouldn't change. Um, some research suggests that he actually killed like a group of alchemists because they fooled him into thinking that they had made an elixir of life oh, for immortality. Rude. Um, and he was mad about that, so he killed them all. And they all happened to be Confucians, but I that's see. not why he I killed see. them. Um, because Chen Shi Huang was obsessed with living forever. He mm. was, like, really single-minded about this. Uh, he was willing to try anything. So he let in a lot of snake oil salesmen, a lot of charlatans into the mm -hmm, palace. Mm -hmm. They give him all kinds of different treatments and swear they would work. Or they'd just be like, oh, yeah, we're researching it. We're working on it. We're so close, so close. We just need a little bit more money. Uh-huh. If you could just give me a little more money. And, you know, kind of milked him along until he would get impatient and either execute them <laughs> or, or, like, find a new kind of ADHD. Like, he's like, squirrel, and he'd find another right. thing to, to look into. One guy, a self-proclaimed magician, Zhu Fu, told Qin Shi Huang, listen, I've been in touch with the eight immortals who, you know, they live in the mystical Peng Lai Mountain. Uh -huh. Everyone knows about Peng Lai, right? right. Everyone? Great. Right. Um, well, I've been in touch with these immortals, and they have the elixir of life, and they said I could get it from Ooh. them for you. Oh, yes. Go on. But they're demanding 6,000 virgins as a sacrifice. Oh. So, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'm going to give you as many ships as you want and 6,000 virgins, and you go get me that elixir of life. Right away, sir. <laughs> and, yep, Chin Shi Huang gave Jufu a fleet of ships, 6,000 virgins, watched him sail away, <laughs> never to return. <laughs> <laughs> so long, and thanks for all the virgins. Right. And the legend is that he actually reached Japan and colonized it. Oh, wow. <laughs> with his 6,000 virgins. Just me and 6,000 virgins. <laughs> We're starting a new world together. We're doing it. <laughs> but I did read, too, that, like, 
it, it might have been that he really believed he could find the, the elixir. And okay. when they didn't, they were like, well, he's going to kill us if we go back without yeah. it. So then they just found somewhere else this to live. This place is nice. But I kind of love the idea of him being like, oh, yeah, me, I'm a magician. I'm a total magician. <laughs> uh, the immortals talked to me last night. They called me last night. Right. We had a great chat. They love you, by the way. And they said, <laughs> da, da, da. Right. Uh, just give me everything I want and I will go get that for you. I love that. He, if he does believe it. He gets to Japan. Oh, we can't go back empty-handed. Well, this place is nice. Mm-hmm. We'll just stay here. They got cherry blossoms, Nintendo. This place is great. Why don't <laughs> we just stay hel- here? Look at this kitty. She says hello. Oh, adorable. Why would we ever leave? <laughs> well, all this experimentation with trying to find eternal life, ironically, shortened Chin Shi Huang's life. And it drove him insane because some of his alchemists and magicians told him that until they found the elixir of life, he should just keep taking mercury pills to tide you over. This will keep you going until we find the real thing. Ah, yes. Mercury. The thing you should put in your body. Well, the mercury poisoned him slowly, and some think that his crazier decisions, such as building a huge network of tunnels underground so he could travel around without being seen by evil spirits, might be attributed to all the mercury that he was taking that was making him insane. Underground, a place evil spirits <laughs> historically don't yeah. like. <laughs> Dark underground places. <laughs> well, eventually the Mercury did kill him. He dropped dead inside his carriage at the age of 49. Not that he didn't live a full life. Oh, a very <laughs> full life. With a high body count. Uh-huh. Well, and in a way, he is a bit immortal, right? We're still talking about him. I suppose that's true. So, in a way, he found his elixir in all the deaths that he caused. <laughs> Yay! Uh, not an Please encouragement for your um, eternal life. as an example. Yes. <laughs> well, the prime minister, Lisa, didn't want anyone to know that the emperor was dead right away because he's like, you know, I got to get my pieces together before uh-huh. all the power changes around here. So he and his courtiers made a big show of continuing to bring and take documents and orders to and from this carriage as if Chen Shi Huang was still in there making decisions. <laughs> I love that they walk up with a piece of paper. Yes, Emperor, uh, I do think you should sign this. What's that? You like my hair today? Thank you so much. <laughs> or they close the door behind him. <laughs> Hilarious, sir. You are you're so good. <laughs> that guy, am I right? Best emperor ever. Right. And, you know, of course his body is like rotting in right. the carriage. So there's an, you know noticeable smell. Uh-huh. Well, they hid that by positioning carriages full of rotten fish nearby, which what? I had to wonder if people were like, what is the emperor into these days? Right. Like, he wants that near him? Like, okay, whatever. I guess I'm Yikes. glad he's not beheading me for no reason. They're like, oh, the, all these carriages full of fish, you see the axle broke, so we can't <laughs> move them out of the way. And what wouldn't you know it? We just don't have the dick the well, right size to fix it. They're a lot smaller <laughs> these days. <laughs> yeah, right. No, everybody's dick is too big to fit inside <laughs> these carriage wheels. axles. We can't use our tried and true backup plan. <laughs> Yeah, Lisa really just wanted to make sure the right guy got the job next, right? He did not get along with Chen Shi Huang's oldest son, who, of course, would become the emperor next. Right. So he faked an order from Chen Shi Huang, telling his oldest son to commit suicide. Oh, my God. And naming his second son as the heir to the throne. And I guess that's all it took because it was no problem. That's exactly what happened. Wow. You imagine get? oh, I got a letter from dad. (laughs) What's it say? 
Oh. oh. All right. Well, father's <laughs> orders. <laughs> I know. Horrible. And unfortunately, the second son wasn't nearly as capable as his father, and their dynasty only lasted another three years. And it was the legalism that would get him in the end. Yeah, one of the defining principles of legalism was that severe punishments ensured that people obeyed the law. They reasoned that if you had a very severe punishment in place for even a minor infraction— people would imagine the horrors that would be visited upon them if they did a major crime, and that would keep them in line. And I got to say, I know this is a bad idea because I had it in fifth grade. I remember when I was a kid thinking, why don't they just say, uh, you know, life in prison for stealing a pack of gum? Then no one would commit crimes. Mm -hmm. But obviously that's a very limited and uneducated way. Very fifth grade uh, way. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Because instead, obviously, this type of punishment in place just encouraged a rebellion. After Qin Shi Huang died, rebellions popped up all over the place, civil wars began, and one of them, according to HistoryCollection.com, was started by a platoon of draftees. These guys got stuck in the mud during a rainstorm, and it made them late to their military stations. So one of the recruits asked around, and he was like, hey, uh, what's the penalty for us being late? And he was told, well, the penalty for that is death. Same as everything else. Yeah, duh. So he asked him, okay, well, then what's the penalty for, I don't know, rebelling against all this? <laughs> well, the penalty for that is death. Same as everything else. So he turned to his fellow draftees and said, quote, well, we're already late. I mean. <laughs> and they slaughtered the officers and <laughs> launched a rebellion. And not long after, the Qin dynasty was quashed. And then the Han dynasty rose in its place and ruled China for the next four centuries. I mean, it's right. The in for a penny and for a pound may yeah. as well be hanged for, the, you know, like if you're going to tr- if you're going to punish people terribly either way, then they're like, well, I guess I'll just do the more horrible thing. Yeah, if I'm right. going to get the punishment anyway, yeah. what's my incentive for not? Or I'll do the thing that's that at least I have a possibility of surviving. Surviving, yeah. I'd rather launch a rebellion against this insanity and hopefully come out with a better world uh-huh. than just show up late and get executed for no reason. All right. Like, just because, of, I mean, they they definitely had a good reason, too. It was like, right. we got stuck in the mud. It's not like we were laying around chilling. Right. We were, it was rain. You Rain? Do you see the rain? Yeah, hello. I don't know if you noticed, but our axle broke and no one could fit their dick in there. <laughs> <laughs> Whose fault is that? I'd like yeah. to know. Wow. So, yeah, this is, this is basically the China that we, we know today has its roots in legalism, thanks uh-huh. to Qin Shi Huang and right. Confucianism. Both of those things still have a lot of echoes in the way the law is is uh, made and enforced in that country now. Right, right, right. And if it was not for Lu Bu Wei's ambition and Lao Ai's giant dick <laughs> and Queen Zhao's thirst, <laughs> we might not have ever had this bloodthirsty emperor who was ready to really go to town <laughs> to get control <laughs> over everything. Wow, really just, uh, yeah, that, that thirst can really change a whole... A whole continent and a whole world <laughs> really brought us into the modern era. Yeah, right. Incredible. Can you imagine a dick so big it changed the world? I mean, 
I've heard some people say they have one, but it's never true. Oh, yeah. Everybody's always <laughs> like, but my dick's so big, it'll change your world. And you're like, all right, let's see it. Let's see a stick it through a wheel. Let's see. <laughs> let's can see you roll around a car? Yeah. Like a can, you fix my, uh, can you fix my Jeep? <laughs> your then get your dick out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies, set standards. That's right. Everybody That's who right. wants a dick, set a standard for yourself. <laughs> If you can't hold up a tire, <laughs> then I'm tired of that dick. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, are you ready to hold up a don't tire? Ask with your dick? <laughs> don't ask me. Don't ask me. Do as I say, not as I do. Not as I D. Not as I D. <laughs> By D. <laughs> what? What do you mean? I mean, do. <laughs> <laughs> What a story. Thanks for this one. I love this one. Seriously, I would watch I would watch a six season show about <laughs> all right. of these people and they're insane. There's just too many. It was like I wanted to stop with the end of the dick story, but uh-huh. then the assassinations were too funny. I was like, we have to have those. And oh then the God. whole thing with him trying to hide his body with a bunch of rotting fish. And st- I was just it's like, y'all are farcical non-stop. as fuck. Yeah. Noel Coward could not. <laughs> It's so goofy. It really is, but it's like goofy and harrowing and the people are getting drawn and quartered or whatever the five versions of quarters is drawn and pentagraphed. Drawn and pentagraphed. (laughs) Pentaveret. Pentaveret. (laughs) Oh, no. Um, Is that what that movie's about? (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) Mike Myers really changed. uh, But damn, you know, HBO for real, like... Do do the Game of Thrones series about this. this is you know, it's crazy. not just a bunch of old white guys with the same name that I can't keep them apart. It's a bunch of old Chinese guys with similar names that I can't keep apart. <laughs> but I'll watch the hell out of I it. I will watch. I will get it together. <laughs> yes, I'll figure it out Eventually. by season three, just like I did with Game of Thrones. <laughs> exactly. Which bearded white guy is this? <laughs> uh, so true, though. After because, like, uh, I loved Shang Chi, the Marvel movie. Yeah. Um, but even that is they're very serious. You know, it's just very serious. Right. All the leaders are like serious and yes. all their followers are very serious and they're right. very stoic and it's very like honor and dignity and stuff like that. And I'm not saying that wasn't happening. Right. But th- this still was happening. This farcical shit was still happening. Right. Please lean into it. Exactly. It's so funny. Zany. People and are true people. and human. It's that's one thing we keep learning th- at the history of this show. People are the same now, as they have been throughout history and across the world, they like Same fart as jokes. It ever was. They like fart jokes and they act fucking insane right? and they do the wackiest shit for in the name dick. of the wackiest shit. Yeah, yeah. for a big dick, uh-huh. for whatever. For a hot lady. For a hot whatever. lady. Crazy. I love it. I'm I so love glad. This story. I hope you loved it too. Yeah. Please tell us. Uh-huh. Uh, d- don't send us any pictures of your dicks and wheels. Nope. And we don't recommend sticking your dicks in any wheels. Please don't do that and tell them that we told you to because we're not telling you. We're telling you specifically not don't to do that. Don't do that. Don't be. It didn't work out for Lao Ai. It's it, not going to work out for you. I mean, it worked out for a while. But all right. All right. Just, all right. I'm, I'm trying <laughs> to set a tone here. Let's just remember the end of the story. Yes. <laughs> You got to be a long-term thinker like Lu Bue. You got to think about these things. <laughs> but do... Send us an email and let us know yeah. what you thought or shoot us a message on Instagram or Twitter, anywhere you want. We would love to hear from you. Yeah. We love it every time. Always. You can reach us at ridicromance at gmail.com. Right, or on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at Dynamite Boom. And I'm at Oh Great, it's Eli. And the show is at Ridic Romance. 
Uh, we love it. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we're back on our regular schedule now. It's going to be great. Uh, so uh, tune in next time. We'll see you then. Love you. Bye. So long, friends. It's time to go. Thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, and dance to listen to our show, Ridiculous Romance. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.